dreadfuls, it's Rye. Before we start, I wanted to apologize for some sound issues that you're going to hear in this episode. Everything will be back to normal soon. Enjoy! Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left 4 Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. I'm your host, Rye. And I'm your other host, Chris. Oh my god, Rye, I'm back. It's been, it's been like a month. I know. You are back from the depths of hell. Uh, so Rye, I just want to say I'm sorry I missed all, all of October and Halloween, the most sacred holiday on our show. I was moving... And a lot, of, a lot of other things was happening, but I'm in a new place, and uh, yeah, so we're we're back, we're, we're the like the dynamic duo, and we're here to spoop your ears off with with a brand new episode. Spoop your ears off. Okay, I have to say that this is one of my favorite like series of found fo- like Blair Witch aside. This is one of my favorite series of like found footage movies. And I say series because I do have individual found footage movies that I really like. So I was so nervous to have you watch this because I thought you were going to hate it or you're going to think it's like too weird. See, the thing is, I, I've i never seen these movies before. That, But that's, and that's worse because you've never seen it. So I didn't want to like... Well, you, you know me because I, I have like a, I'm like, it's not like a, it's... I'm really easily entertainable. Like, I have, like, a really low bar for, like, oh, this is great. <laughs> uh, and this movie, I, I literally didn't know anything about it. And I, I didn't read anything about it. I didn't do any research. All I had to go on it were, were the posters. And the posters itself don't really tell you much about it either. It's like, oh, okay. Creep. Creep too. I mean, it's a very simple title. And yes, there's a lot of connotations to creep, but like, to me, it was just so vague. It's like, okay, creep can mean anything. Creep could be the personality characteristic or, or characteristic of the antagonist or horror monster or whatever. Or it could be the name of an actual monster or, like, or it could be like an urban legend I didn't know so I, I, I came in, into this with zero expectations zero knowledge and I was very very pleasantly surprised and I really enjoyed this movie so you won woo woo okay so yeah in case and nobody caught that today on this episode we are talking about Creep and Creep 2 um, they're both on Netflix I was sort of in the same boat as Chris when I first saw this, I think about three years ago, and I knew nothing about it. The only thing that I knew was that still of Mark Duplass and the fucking peach fuzz mask, which is a wolf mask. If I say peach fuzz to someone who's seen creep, you know what I'm talking about. So it's him like holding something. I think it was an axe or a hatchet or whatever in a peach in the peach fuzz mask that was literally it plus on netflix if you look at the cover for it 
It's just him and his big goofy face talking to the guy through the car and that's it. So I was in the same boat as Chris the first time I saw this movie. I knew nothing about it and I really think that that sort of adds to it. But also having seen it, there's really nothing I could tell you to prepare you for either one of these movies. It's so, like, it's, it's this movie that it's so weird um, and, and weird in a good way because this, I mean, this, uh, I uh, uh, definitely for the second film but I'm not sure about the first film the first film oh and actually no I lied no Jason Bloom he produced in the first film uh, and with this being essentially a Bloomhouse film, um, you know, they really operate in that space where they take simple ideas or simple seeds of ideas and they just execute it like really well or they just execute it in like unexpected subversive ways. So the basic premise for both Creep 1 and Creep 2 is two, ra- uh, two random sets of individuals. Uh, they, they, they answer a creepy, weird but interesting Craigslist ad. And they go discover uh, who the, the well, they basically take a gig for like a thousand bucks to be f- videographers. Um, and they show up at uh, the Lister's house and weird shit just goes down. And that's a very simple idea. Like you, I mean, they the film itself, especially in the second film, they create this meta narrative about it. Like, yeah, there's like some really weird stuff you can find on Craigslist, or people request really weird things, and and it ro- it runs with the idea. But especially with the first film, it goes uh, for me. I I I think it was like up through maybe like 40, 50 minutes in. Like it was going through this pro- trajectory. It's like okay, so I can see where it's happening. Like so, this guy, this videographer, meets um, Aaron. No, Aaron's the name of the videographer. He's calling himself Joseph in this one. Oh, Joseph. So yeah, so the antagonist in the first film is calling he's calling himself Joseph. Um so it's going through this arc where the protagonist, uh, Aaron, is getting increasingly creeped out, and then Joseph is just showing like really erratic behavior, like he's he's showing himself to be like a pathological liar, just really weird, disturbing thoughts. And then uh, it ends where um, there's like this climactic scene where Joseph he's stuck in the, he can't find his keys. It's like really late at night. Aaron's not letting him go, and then uh, I'm sorry. No, reverse that. Uh, Aaron, he, Aaron's trying to leave, and then Joseph, he's blocking the door, wearing the me- the wolf mask, and then I expected this to be the end of the film. Like, oh shit! Like this is like uh, Aaron attacks Joseph, uh, and, th- and there's like a scuffle, and the camera jostles, and it fades to black. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's the end of the film. So. I guess Aaron died. And then this the black screen pulls out and it shows Joseph watching the footage of what just happened before. It's like, oh, okay. So the movie's not over. And we were watching like all the all these events had already happened. And I was like, this that's really clever. And it's like multiple layers of narrative. And that was like legit one of the most surprising things about this film. It was like it it, it messes with time and messes with like the perspectives and POVs and who's the actual narrator and I I found that to be an intri- really intriguing storytelling device and they constantly play with that and so you don't really know what 
like what's the timeline until the very very end and you see that a lot throughout this first film and it just it was just such a really fresh way of telling a story and I really enjoyed that. I will, okay, so lesson number one here, Dreadfuls. You can peruse the, the weird, unclassified, classified Craigslist ads, but don't actually do any of them because of shit like this. I know I'm not being paranoid. Back in the day, there actually was a Craigslist killer who used to put ads on Craigslist for dates, and then he used to kill the people that would show up. True story. Even at my old job, I we used to hire people through Craigslist, and that was always an interesting crapshoot. It's a very mixed bag, though. Yeah, it is. Is. Yeah, it's it's like a, it's a bell curve. You got like really crazy people and then you got really normal people and you never know what you're gonna get. I think that the unpredictability of Mark Duplass aka Joseph and his behavior in this film really also helps the ultimate payoff for the second film. He's unpredictable. There are plenty of jump scares in this because he's constantly trying to scare Aaron and succeeding I might add. How many times does he have to run off ahead of you before you understand that he's gonna jump out of somewhere and scare you like when he left him alone in the woods i was like dummy he's gonna be in a freaking bush what are you doing just play along with it yeah and it won't be it won't be but it wouldn't have been as impactful so you see all of this throughout the film and yes the jump scares and his erratic behavior escalate which also definitely plays into the second film and the way they decide to change and carry over Joseph's personality. He is the ultimate unreliable narrator because you have no idea if he's telling the truth or not. Joseph might, may or may not be his real name. We don't know. Probably not, given what happens at the beginning of the second one and what he starts calling himself in the second one. Spoiler alert, it's Aaron the victim from the first movie, everything he could be saying could be a total fabrication. How he got the house. When Aaron first gets there, he says it's his and his wife's country house. That's not true. He doesn't have a wife. He's not dying from cancer. He doesn't have a pregnant wife that's having a baby. Then when he starts telling Aaron the truth, that could also be a lie. There is nothing at the end of this movie where you're like, oh, he was telling the truth about that. The only thing he was telling the truth about is the fact that he said he was gonna kill him. <laughs> and then that was it. And I think that, that was the fun part. So when you think Aaron is going to die in the house and the camera pulls back and you see him reviewing all of this footage, you're like, oh, oh, okay, okay, cool. And then the behavior, even though he's removed from Joseph in that scenario, everything still escalates. He gets sent tapes. Yeah, like, uh... He's he's scarred. He's like he's like he has nightmares. He can't sleep. He's here. He's jumping at noises at night. And then Joseph, like he's stalking him. Like he's sending packages. He's sending like trinkets. He's like, oh yeah, this is a symbol of our friendship. And he sends a a locket in a in a wolf stuffed wolf inside of a stuffed wolf that he makes him stab open, like cut open. Yeah, but uh, he also sends a knife. He also sends a knife in the package. So. That's great. Which I don't think you're allowed to do. Also, there was no return address. So in my brain, I'm thinking, well, Joseph was already there. He wouldn't put a return address. He could just go to a store, buy all this shit, pack the crap up, and leave it out on his front porch. Yeah, I mean, he yeah, Joseph clearly knows where Aaron lives. I mean, it's a scary thing to say, but you can you can get peop a person's address, phone number, personal information just shut up really easily. I mean, the man's a serial killer. We know that. I think the definite finishing touch for creep for me wasn't the kill at the end of the movie because you actually get to see him kill Aaron 
from a distance, not gory. It's actually as simple as the rest of the movie, and I don't mean simple in a bad way. It was, like, minimalistic. Yes. But in a good way, yeah. In a very good way. I think what takes the cake for me in this film is the very, very end, where, so you've watched this whole movie, and then the camera pulls back, and it's Aaron reviewing the footage. It does it again, and now it's Joseph, revert, like, reviewing the footage, and you can hear him, and he was like, you're always going to be my favorite, Aaron. And he pulls open this cabinet, and there are tapes ever, like, expand, like, hundreds of tapes. So you think, oh shit, he's, he's been doing this for a while. And while he's putting Aaron's tape away, he is on the phone with somebody else making the exact same deal. And then the movie, and that's how the movie ends. And it just, you sit there and you're like, I, well... Good thing there's another one on Netflix because I don't know what I would have done if there wasn't. I I love that ending because again it, it it uses that same device so it creates like an additional third layer. Uh, so we don't really know how long ago the murder was. Um, it could be like a week after. It could be like a year after Joseph gets killed. But like a classic serial killer, he's like quote unquote like returning to the scene of the crime like trying to relive the murder trying to relive all those visceral feelings uh trying to relive the moment and and he was just he was just getting so emotional over his like oh my god buddy you're like yeah that was smart that was smart you leaving the camera in the car but why you didn't even turn around uh but I was like oh wait I know why you didn't turn around you came here because you you believed I wouldn't do you any harm that's why I love you that's why my favorite and it's like really creepy performance um where it's like it's so disturbing but really sincere and uh, the actor patrick bryce like just oh it's so good mark duplass oh i'm sorry mark duplass he pl- not mark duplass he yes he plays joseph yes i keep getting the names but yeah okay before we go on to creep two in the stuff that i looked up for this episode one of my favorite quotes from Mark Duplass about what it was like to make this movie. They they didn't really do very much. This was filmed over the course of a couple of months. Jason Blum was the one that sort of gave it st- structure in a way because what they gave him was them sitting at a table with these recorded conversations and he sort of gave it a like a somewhat of a story. It was his friends and family that said, make this darker and turned it into what it is. It was just the two of them up there just talking and like thinking like, oh, a movie will come out of this. But my favorite quote that he says about this movie is, let's just make it super weird and make it the crazy little monster that it is. I've, that should just be the synopsis for the movie because there's nothing else you can say about it. And this is all, in my opinion, incredibly positive. I don't, I, I... <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's a two-person drama. Like, the, the setup is super, like, well, the, the plot setup is really easy. Like, a Craigslist lad is posted and a naive, a naive guy checks it out and weird shit happens and then the set's really simple it's like there's a forest or it's all interior in the house but um i like to think uh they're operating from like the robert rodriguez school filmmaking like use what you have or well use what what you got use what you have around you and they they were really creative they were really smart and just the strength of the writing and like the i guess i i don't know how much research or how much prep they did to get into the the minds of the characters but like uh, especially, especially uh, Joseph. 
I couldn't tell, I really couldn't tell it was, like, when, like, I just, it, it, like, the, the, the actor just disappeared into this role, and it just meets, seems all the more real, because it's just shot in the found footage style, and I, it, I just found it immersive, and I just found it so endearing and creepy, and, like, it, I love being immersed in films, and, like, being gross in that, I, it, the film really led me to believe, like, this is something that could really did happen it really could happen it's like i loved it i love and most of the stuff that i was reading the vast majority of it was very very positive a lot of people responded very well to this movie however i did find a negative review of creep that caught my attention that i wanted to see how you felt about it because i remember i was reading it and i even said out loud nope wholeheartedly disagree you're wrong and I'm not usually the person to be like, no, you're wrong about their own opinions, but they were wrong. So this is from Variety around the time that the movie came out. It says, the thriller conceivably could have been more effective if Duplass's performance were a shade more ambiguous and the audience had a chance at least to fleetingly believe Joseph might be telling the truth. Sorry, wholeheartedly disagree. The unpredictability of Joseph and his actions is what makes this movie so unnerving and entertaining to watch. And it's like, it's, and it's like slowly unpeeling. Yeah. Like. It's like peeling back a rotting weird onion. Yeah, like for example, it's like, oh, hey, uh, I, I'm gonna give you a random hug. And it's like, oh, hey, uh, um, uh, I'm gonna die. But uh, we're we're just gonna film a stuff together, and and then it gets even just weirder stuff like, oh oh like like this has this experience has gone zero to sixty because I he 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 confessed to this really bizarre story of how his wife was into bestiality and oh just like the escalation of like weird unsettling stuff just builds and builds and the tension builds and builds and like I think with that reviewer with it being more ambiguous I don't think like the denouement like there's just like the final climax or just like I, I think it would just ruin the pace of the movie and it, it the it would ruin it would upset the tension or at least the tension wouldn't have been as effective and so I, I don't agree with that it wouldn't have had the same payoff you wouldn't have had the same effect and feelings at the end of this movie if you made him more ambiguous. I don't think you would have cared as much. I think that it is the unpredictability and the lack of ambiguity that keeps you wanting more. Like, you want to see the next fucked up crazy thing he's gonna do. And if you don't have that, then it it wouldn't it wouldn't be successful. Like, you wouldn't be sitting there going, yeah, 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 come on, come on, what else are you gonna do, you crazy fuck? Like, I didn't expect the peach fuzz thing, the tummy time bath, everything about this movie from start to finish is weird and then just goes from weird to weirder to weirdest and then murderous. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, it just builds, it builds up and then you're like, oh no, we like, and then you're at it where it's like, oh my God, this, uh, just, jo uh, he just, Aaron's just, he's, he's fucked. He's, he's so far gone. But exactly. That's, that's the beauty of the way they do this. They they pull you in with all of this weirdness, and you get so entertained that you for like you don't you don't really know what you're watching. You know there's something weird about him, but you don't care because he might remind you of one of those weird friends that you have that means well who never heard a fly, and they're just a big weirdo. But then when it gets to the scary point, it's already too late for you. Just like it was already too late for Aaron. Like you never should have answered the ad. What do you think about Creep Two? 
I, I still love Creep 2. They're, they're working on a Creep 3. I am stupid excited. The first time I watched Creep, I watched the second one immediately after it when I was done with the sequel. I tweeted Mark Duplass and I was like, I need another one, please and thank you. He liked the tweet. Oh, <laughs> nice. Which drove me into like a fangirl spiral and made me so happy. <laughs> But I loved the direction they went in with Creep 2. I didn't think I was going to like it. See, the thing is, like, with Creep 2, like, it it wasn't a... It was nothing like the first one, which goes along with the unpredictability. Yeah, it wasn't a rehash. Exactly, like, it it, it wasn't a rehash. It didn't... It, it actually... It, it I was really surprised of, like, how it turned the trope... Or it turned, like, the basic plot structure of the first movie on its head. And it just continuously... Kept kept you guessing like i and like it, it gave you with this really interesting conflict or problem so at the beginning of the film joseph or aka aaron now that he's calling himself he's going by aaron yes. now yes yep yep he's After his favorite his favorite he's going through a midlife crisis where he's like he's about to turn 40 and he's been killing for like for so many years he's uh and he's like he's like he's going through this weird existential depressive crisis where it's like the magic is gone i i i'm not feeling the way i used to and like and he's going through like severe depression and and he's like i'm I'm not a genius anymore i'm not an artist anymore so why do why do the same thing 39s before what should be my final act i i killed 39 people what if i force someone to kill for me and or just someone to hear my hear out my story and so that what ha- that's what happens um he puts an ad and this desperate uh college student slash youtuber she answers the call out of ambition and then it becomes a character study where well, like how he calls it is like a journey into the soul or into the heart and it's like this really interesting character drama well unlike the first film where Aaron uh, or Joseph uh, in the first one had all the power uh, in here you you see Aaron meet someone who's Matt's wits Matt's cleverness um, and they're playing like this cat and mouse game um, I really enjoyed that was something like that's really different from the first film but it really works it, it, it keeps you it keeps you really on your edge especially when you find out like the the youtuber her name's sarah she's actually f- like she's actually playing mind games as a form of defense oh no like this guy might actually kill me but i need it for the views so she's playing her own mind game to try to throw him off um as to to get more information out of him but at the same time disarm him so she would be less likely to you know attack her or at least like to create some sort of empathy in between her and aaron so they could she could you know buy time it's it was great well she's also she's also hoping that he won't kill her because he's like i'm not gonna do that to you but there's a whole slew of shit that goes in before that. Every jump scare that scared the shit out of Aaron in the first movie doesn't work on her. He does lie to her a little bit, or at least I think from the first movie, we're meant to believe or at least assume he's lying. Yeah, yeah. I love the opening. They have the guy from the cab driver from Deadpool is in there, and his friend is Mark Duplass's character, and he doesn't know that he's the one that's stalking him. So for it to open the way it ended, and for him to say, I'm the world's most most prolific serial killer and no one knows who I am and I've peaked before I'm 40. And then there's this whole trend of he was like, I want to be like Francis Ford Coppola. And while they're trying to set up a shot that's meant to come off as this like prophetic Jesus-esque moment, it's not coming off as genuine and she feeds into his e- 
ego and goes, Coppola. She just says Coppola. And he, at least to her, is sort of believing this whole act and won't, he doesn't want her to leave because I think that's, that's a match in his eyes. Now, he does a lot of fucked up shit to like scare the shit out of her. And then it gets to that climax, that one point where they go out into the middle of the woods. It's, it's, instead of it being Chekhov's gun, let's just call it Chekhov's grave. And then just like the first one, there's an ending and then there's the real ending. The ending in the first one was scaring the shit out of Aaron and then everything else that happened after that was the real ending. In this, it's the grave. And then the real ending is you see her alive and well walking down the street and someone's filming her. And he starts whistling while they're on the train and she looks up and makes eye contact with him on the subway. And then that's the way the movie ends. So yes, I'm craving a Creep 3. I hope that it's a nice bookend. Uh, I did also hear a rumor that Mark Duplass wants to do a prequel or a prequel series. Series that sort of shows how his character got to this point which I guess could be interesting but it could but like I I, the, I like the mystique and appeal of his character like if creep 3 is the prequel then I'm okay with it <laughs> yeah I mean I could I mean I think it'll be I think it'll be interesting because like they like he has a lot of interesting ideas I'm sure again you know, three for three, he'll surprise us and um, play with our expectations. At the same time, I, I could do without an origin story per se. Like, I just like that you just really don't know anything about Aaron or Joseph's true nature. Like, it's always morphing and it's always... And sometimes you see glimpses of like, okay, so maybe he actually is telling the truth, but I can't be sure. But that's what—that's why he makes it so interesting. He's just so multifaceted and he's just, he's such a pathological liar and it's just, it's great. It's just like, like he's, he's like a man of a million faces and I love it. There's a quote from IndieWire that I think really sort of sums all of this up to a degree. Um, it says, quote, Duplass is back, this time going by Aaron, the name of his victim in the first installment a shocking opening sequence shot from a hidden camera perspective shows nothing has changed he's still drawn to generating eerily close relationships with people before murdering them with hidden cameras but this time he's on the brink of 40 and starting to feel the strain of a routine here's the ultimate stereotypical aging hipster but this time he's got a knife i like that <laughs> I mean that's great I do too but and that's and that's exactly what it kind of is though he comes off as that like weird dad trying to be young and cool thing at the beginning like this new agey person with, like crazy esoteric ideas with his smoothies and shit yeah and it you know what it, I, I really think that they're both so unique and if Creep 3 never gets made I'll, I won't be mad at it I have Creep 1 and Creep 2 to keep watching forever and eternity but there is just something about the way they decided to do this movie that I think, for both of these movies really, that I think really is different. Um, not even in terms of found footage, just horror in general. I mean, it's it's just, it's laughable, but in a way that it's like uncomfortable laughter. Like when someone says something and you don't know if they're kidding or not, and you do that weird nervous laugh, you're like nervous laughing the whole time because you're waiting for something to happen. And then they give you that false sense of relief 
where you're like, oh, okay, we're good. And then they bring you back up again and double down on the weirdness in the last, like, ten minutes of the film, and then they crush you. Yeah, these movies, these movies play with your emotions so badly. It's just, and it, it's just like a little roller coaster. And it's like, it's, yes, there's, like, a lot of jump scares in the first one, but, like, that's, that's not, what, what's the true terror is, like, the, the, the soft, like, slow burn moments where you just, it just, the camera just focuses on Aaron and her Joseph, and he just looks at, he's just focusing, you can just see like the crazy come out of his face and out of his mouth with these wor- with these unsettling words and uh, and it's just like oh this is so I can't look away but this is so messed up but I love it. Think about all the stuff that Mark Duplass had to do though. He is like he's portraying the an equal parts gripping and terrifying completely complex sociopath in both of these films. To meet someone like that in real life you'd want to study them. You'd want their brain donated to science to study it because there are so many layers and so many elements I should also note that in Creep 2, it's a different house than the first one. Yeah, it's like a, it's this beautiful mansion. It has like a hot tub and like. It's like, it's like the mansion of, of law, of like hunting lodges or some shit like that. Like, yeah, and it's very extravagant. (laughs) It is. And part of me wants to think that maybe these are all the places from his previous victims, but he's not stupid. You would get caught that way. So. It could be it could be a rental. I I don't I don't know. But wherever all those tapes are housed is definitely a different place than the two houses we saw, which again makes him highly intelligent. Also, you got to you got to wonder like he he pays people in full like right when they walk in the door. So, what does he do for money? Like, is he... He could be just independently wealthy. I mean, he's clearly not killing everybody he comes into contact with. Questions. We may never know. Let's tweet Mark Duplass and ask him. No. Yeah, ask him. <laughs> A- AMA. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Aaron? Who? <laughs> what does he do for a living? What is his favorite food? Please give me your entire character study for this creepy motherfucker that you did in, in Creep. Can we get the story bible? Do we have to go through Jason Bloom? <laughs> Who do we have to pay? <laughs> who who do we need to pay? What do you need from me? Do you need a vial of my blood? <laughs> I would give it willingly. I really would. He wouldn't even have to, you know, just here. <laughs> give me the needle. Just <laughs> here you go. <laughs> Um, so on a separate note, there is a company and we're not sponsored by them in this episode. I just have to bring it up because it just so happened that it like coincided with all of this. So last week there is a company called Cavity Colors and they have, as of last week, just completely restocked all of their creep and creep to merchandise. There's merch? Yes. I didn't even know this. Like there's like, what is a uh, peach fuzz mask or? It's not a mask, but they have peach fuzz dad baseball caps and shirts and hoodies and there's a pin and all of this stuff so do yourself a favor especially if you love this movie go there first for that reason i will put a link in the show notes but moreover if you're just like a fan of horror go visit this website go buy yourself some shit christmas is coming up go buy that special horror someone in your life something off of this website because some of the shit that they do is actually incredible so no we hashtag not sponsored however it needed to be mentioned that cavity colors restocked all of their all of their creep shit before this i'm just so tickled by the fact there's like there's there's creep merch there's a peach fuzz dad baseball cap that's just 
It's just so lovely. I'm gonna, while we're recording, I'm gonna do this now. I'm sending this to Chris as we record because he needs to see this. Oh, this is so cool. Oh, uh, it's, uh, look at these. This is a, this is a Peach Fuzz t-shirt and a hoodie and a tank. And um, they, they even have uh, enamel pins. That's awesome. Okay, so full disclosure, before we decided that this was the episode, and I was kind of hoping that it would have arrived before it happened, but it's okay. I ordered a Peach Fuzz tank top that I was gonna wear while we were recording this. Oh, wait. That's awesome. Wait, which one did you get? The slouchy tank top. Oh, there's a, well, a couple images. The one with peach fuzz on it. Oh, the one that says embrace your inner wolf? Yes. Because their shit is on point. Yes. Excellent. I like it. That's very good. So, again, hashtag not sponsored by kevycolors.com. But do yourselves a favor. Go check them out. Go check out their creep collection. They have a bunch of other stuff that just sits up there. They have Anna and the Apocalypse, Cabin Fever, Candyman. Oh, snap. They have Anna and the Apocalypse merch? That's crazy. I love that movie. Yeah. And they have one of our holiday favorites, Krampus. Krampus. Oh, oh I need to look it up right now. Their Krampus stuff is actually really cool too. So I'm kind of hoping that we'll have, that I'll be wearing something Krampus from Cavity Colors, like Krampus oriented from Cavity Colors when we record a Krampus episode because it's that time again. Uh, I already have, I already have a, uh, a Krampus ugly sweater. Uh, of course you do. Oh, it's so good. Anywho. Yes. Uh, yeah, so right. Well, what would you rate this movie or movies? Five out of five peach fuzzes. Yes. Five out of five peach fuzzes. That's, that's, that's for me as well. Yeah, five out of five peach fuzzes because everybody needs a little peach fuzz in their life. Yes, and I... I love this. these movies. They're just, they're really left field and they're really minimalist and they're just really, really well done. Low budget, but simple ideas, but executed really well kind of films. And they always keep you guessing. Um, the actors, especially uh, Mark Duplass, Unchained, they're little geniuses and like the movies, <clears throat> how they're structured, they just go with like the offbeaten trap. They're not tropey. And again, they're they really are like, character-driven psychological dramas so the characters are really really fleshed out and you feel like you really know them even though like Mark Duplass's character like he's a liar so you don't really know him know him but you can see glimpses uh you can get like a sort of read on uh read on him and it's just it's just like, fascinating to watch i know his performance in this was so unnerving and brilliant mark duplass you're a genius for coming up with this movie and going through with it and then doing it again and if you do a third one we're there for it. If you don't, we're there for the first two. So you do you. Yes. So if you're somehow listening to this and didn't watch Creep or Creep 2, that's okay. It's still on Netflix. You should go have fun and then rewind this episode and play it again. Okay. So on that note, thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Literally everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday, unless there's a crisis. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. And, uh, and Ryan, what can our listeners expect for uh, the rest of this month or in the following episode?
Well, we're going to explore something that I know Chris is a massive fan of. So hopefully a little bit down the line, we're going to look at stuff like Tremors. We're going to look at space horror. We're going to look at a movie that I've never seen before that I've heard a lot of things about that people swear by. We're going to be looking at more found footage, some foreign horror. We've got a bunch of stuff lined up, not to mention... And Krampus. Don't forget Krampus. I was getting to that. Not to mention that we have two key holidays coming up. And you know what that means. We are revisiting two of our holiday favorites. Thanks Killing, that terrible turkey movie, and Krampus. Thanksgiving 3, the sequel. <laughs> I'm very excited. So we have a ton of stuff lined up that's down the pipeline that we're really excited about. So keep listening. And don't forget, <gasps> stay dreadful. Oh.